You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to him, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. How many temples were mentioned in the readings today? We have Samuel sleeping in the temple beside the Ark of the Covenant. And then we have the psalm, which in Psalm 40, It's really referring to the temple. It's indirect. Holocausts or sin offerings you sought not. So every day there was a lamb offered in the morning and the evening for the sins of the people in the temple in Jerusalem. And then we have the second reading, which says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? And it's not mentioned by word in the Gospels, but we have this amazing statement of John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And we had the psalm line that we prayed as a response. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. And in the letter to the Hebrews, at the very beginning, this is used at the early part of the letter to the Hebrews, uh, words that are attributed to Jesus, the word of God coming into the world. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Sacrifice and holocaust you did not want, which is quoting this psalm. And so, in a certain sense, there's a very big, heavy backdrop or strong backdrop of the temple in all of the liturgy today and the readings we have today to make us consider what this is about to understand what's going on. And the temple is where God is. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? There's another very interesting uh, parallel here 
we have Samuel, who is the son of Hannah and Elkanah, and they had suffered a lot over their, over Hannah's infertility. At the temple in Shiloh, she had prayed for a son, and it was granted her. And we have John the Baptist, and a very similar parallel. Uh, there, John the Baptist is the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Zechariah was in the temple, worshiping with the incense, leading the people in prayer. And that's when the angel lets him know that he will be the father of John the Baptist, that he will have a child. And he didn't figure that was possible, so he took a, a good nine months to become pregnant with faith. And Zechariah, he, he, he expressed, he bore faith, he bore witness to the faith, to God's actions on the birth of John the Baptist. And so we have these two parallel lives, and they are, Samuel will eventually anoint David, and John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus. And this is a core to our faith. I heard a commentary this morning um, explaining about, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That this is the core announcement that triggers James and, or sorry, uh, Andrew and his companion, who's not named, the other disciple. And <clears throat> the two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. You know, one is called Andrew, the brother of Peter, and he goes and he gets Peter. And the other disciple, and that's understood to be John the Evangelist. So it's really an, an amazing um, moment when John the Baptist's whole life peaks at this moment. He's leading his top disciples to Jesus. This is why he was created, to prepare the way for Jesus. Obviously, he spoke clear words to Herod, and he prepared the people, the sentiments of the people, but it crystallized in these vocations. And then there were others, surely, who also followed, who were in the environment of John the Baptist. And we see John the Baptist leading people to Jesus. Here we have a great model of evangelization. And we go to the book of Samuel, and we find that it's a time of great corruption. I encourage you to read the first chapters of the book of Samuel. And you will see that Samuel is sleeping at the Ark of the Covenant, but the behavior of the sons of Eli is terrible. And they are actually said to be uh, abusing of the donations of the people for themselves, and also doing other very, very immoral behavior. The moral demoral comes into the text in the second reading, and it's actually, uh, on the one hand, we kind of know what immorality means. You could say, in general, it's all about all of morality, but it particularly is about the relationship between uh, people uh, in the area of sexuality. And it refers, the original word in the Greek refers to all relationships that are improper and are outside of the relationship between husband and wife. So when he said the body is not for immorality, Paul in Corinth, a port city, 
that's a bustling city of trade in the Mediterranean, in the Roman Empire, one of the most important cities in the Roman Empire, on the fringe of the Mediterranean. Uh, Paul is calling out the very normal behavior of decadence that's completely in style. There's a lot of literature about this. Uh, it was just the way of life. There was so much darkness. They, people didn't have a goal. They didn't have other goals except just to enjoy, to indulge. License was very, very wide. And Paul is teaching the first Christians who have come to Christ, like John and Andrew in the gospel, but through his work in Corinth and the other disciples, a lot of people have come from this culture and they need to understand how to behave. Today, the world is in crisis in this direction again. And it was at the time of Samuel a thousand years before, or 1200 years before. So we have uh, an interesting, um, well, a thousand years probably more likely. Uh, we have a very interesting um, pattern of great decadence in society, of the voice of the Lord not being heard, that's what it says in the first reading. The voice of the Lord was very infrequent. God wasn't acting in his people because his people were very corrupt. And the leadership was very corrupt. And we have the same thing at the time of Herod Antipas and the temple people at the temple in Jerusalem. And we have a lot of problems today. And we see nevertheless that our role isn't to go in criticizing with all guns blazing. Our role is like Hannah and Elkanah going to pray at the temple, Zechariah doing the worship in the temple, John the Baptist living a life of total dedication to God, total consecration to God, as Samuel did. He was searching for God. He was with God at the Ark of the Covenant. So there's, this is, everybody here has a vocation, not just John and Andrew. If you see that there are problems in the church today, turn up the prayer. Turn up the kindness, the charity. Look after somebody in need that's poor. That has a big impact on the formation of your children and your grandchildren. I remember at home, uh, in the 60s, it was a very... Um, impoverished time in Ireland materially in many ways. Uh, I think Ireland at that time in the late 50s, early 60s was still in the wake of the disasters of the Second World War without a revival in the economy which didn't come until the 90s because in the 80s our cousins, late 70s, 80s, our cousins were graduating from high school and the most of them immigrated to look for work. It was still a very difficult time and back in the 60s uh, much more so and there were people who came that were in need and the way my mom would take care of them when they came in, the way my dad would take care of them, um, people came through, they needed a cup of tea, they needed something to eat, they needed some work. It, this was um, normal and to do this for children is a great help, to show them practical charity. Uh, I saw one church where the children go and bring up the offerings to the basket 
so that they bring up and they bring up the baskets and a few of the children to the altar itself to teach the children generosity, to teach them prayer, to teach them to live for God, that their bodies are temples of God. There's so much junk out there today and we need to work in this area. Our role isn't to be criticizing all the bad. Our role is to be responding to God's call. And in responding to God's call, like Eli will be able to say to a young person, go for it, God is calling you when they are coming. There's a great pattern here for evangelization, a great pattern for the development of vocations, a great pattern in these readings for the renewal of the church in our time. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.